course, we have the book, God's Word. But also, grab your songbook. We're going to go back to that song 223. Into Our Hands. 223. We just were able to sing it a few minutes ago together. Into Our Hands. This is a very Bible-based song. And let's get started with this song. There are four questions asked in this song. And we will see these questions, relate some scriptures to them, and then we'll move into the chorus. And then we'll finish up our thoughts this evening. Okay. <clears throat> The first question is, how are we using God's golden moments? You see that? Page 223 in your songbook. First stanza, how are we using God's golden moments? This song starts out tough on us, doesn't it? Telling us some things we know but we don't like to admit. Swiftly, swiftly we're turning last daily pages Swiftly the hours are changing to years. As I said, this is very Bible-based. For example, in the book of Job, chapter 9, if you want to look at that, Job chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, Job says, My days are swifter than a runner. Job 9, 25 and 26. My days are swifter than a runner. And then he goes on to say, my days are swifter than an eagle swooping down upon its prey. That's fast, isn't it? That's fast. Now, are you a runner? Or have you ever been around a runner? Now, you folks that jog, that's not running. Don't call yourself a runner. That's just above a walk. Okay. I'm talking about runner. A runner. Okay. I'm sure you've been around a few. My arc enemy in grade school was a boy by the name of Derek Lane. Fastest boy ever. In the elementary school, there were three elementary schools in my little town. And he was not in mine. But we had an annual track and field event where the different elementary schools, back in that day, elementary school went through the sixth grade. Okay. So we would compete on track and field. The question always came, who's going to run against Derek? And somebody suggested my name. I backed up and backed up. No way. But... I was the only one, so the 50-yard dash, I was going to line up against Derek. For weeks and weeks, I wore leg weights around everywhere. Even went roller skating in them. Leg, just trying to make me lighter, I was going to be ready for Derek. I'm going to beat him. I'm going to stay with him at least to the 50-yard line. Okay. And when that referee said go, there was some dust and smoke, and we were on the football field, and all of a sudden, he was gone, and I wasn't. He left me in the dust, literally. Okay. 
He was a runner. He's a runner. And our coaches would often say about Derek, there's no substitute for speed. Okay. Eventually, Derek and I were on the same basketball team. And we became pretty good teammates. The coach also looked at me one day, so slow afoot, and he said, Barker, there's also no substitute for hustle. And so I did my best. But Derek was a real runner. Job says, my days are faster than a runner. Just how fast it goes. As fast as an eagle could swoop down upon its prey, there it goes. Swiftly the days, daily pages are turning. The hours turn into years. Job 14, verses 1 and 2, man that is born of woman is a few days, few days, notice that, Job 14, 1 and 2, few days. Now, Job lived back in the patriarchal days. That's the days when people lived a long time. Okay. 90 years was just a baby in those days. But still, life compared to eternity is just a few days. A few days and full of trouble. But he goes on to say, my days are like a flower that comes out and then it withers away and it's gone. And that's how life is. You, you show up, you come out, and before long you're gone. Then he goes on there in Job 14, and he says, our days flee like a shadow. I told you these words are tough. Our days flee by like a shadow. A shadow. What do you think of when you think of a shadow? Maybe somebody's shadow and they walk by and that shadow comes over you and then they're gone. Maybe you're looking at a shade tree and, and the shadow of that tree is in one position and next position, next position, and before long the sun is down and it's, it's gone. Okay, you're thinking about the shadow of a big truck that comes by you uh, in your vehicle and that shadow over, overtakes you and then before long it's gone or the shadow of a plane that comes over you in the sky and it, you, you see that shadow and it comes over you and all of a sudden it's gone. What was Job referring to? Well, just let your imagination roll. My days flee by like a shadow. And then they are not. Then they are not. Okay. And so first question in this song, how are we using God's golden moments? They're golden because they're, 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 they're turning, they're leaving us in such... Rapid speed, golden moments. Psalm number 90 answers that for us. Psalm number 90, verses 10, 11, and 12. Psalm number 90. Okay. I think it's Moses in this psalm saying, Teach us, Lord, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may be able to apply our hearts to wisdom. That's, that's the answer to all this. Take what you have and apply your heart to wisdom. And for us today, that's the Lord Jesus. Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3 speaks of Jesus and how that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is found in Jesus the Lord. Okay. Teach us to number our days. Help us to apply our hearts to wisdom. That's the Lord Jesus. Remember, a couple weeks ago, we made reference to Matthew 12 and 42 and 43 where, where uh, Jesus mentions how that the queen of Sheba the queen of the south came from the other regions of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. 
Jesus making reference to himself, a greater than Solomon is here. And so that's what we do with these passing days. We apply our hearts to wisdom and we look further into the words of our Lord Jesus. Okay, how are we using these golden, these um, God's golden moments? Now, second question. Right there in the first stanza, back on our song, page 223. Shall we reap glory or shall we reap tears? I told you this song. You know it yourself for sure. This song is Bible-based. Okay. Those are the two choices in life. Those are the two choices at the end of life. Shall we reap glory or shall we reap Tears. Glory refers to heaven, as you know, because that's where God is. That's where God is. Titus chapter 2, Titus 2, 13 says, We are looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great verse? We are looking for that day, that day. Please, Lord, come. What a glorious day that's going to be because of who is coming, because of what begins, okay? Home in heaven. Oh, what a wonderful thought. Now, in Paul in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 17, uh, and I probably make reference to this verse way too much, but uh, just live with it. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us something. It works for us glory. Glory. And for me, glory means God, and that's good enough, but that's not all that Paul says there in that verse. He says it works for us a weight of glory. A weight of glory. Okay. Now at Christmas time, if you see some boxes under the tree, do you, no, you wouldn't do that. Do you ever see some kids go up and hold the box, and just see how heavy it is. Okay. And if it's got some good weight to it, then there's some excitement there because this is interesting here. This, is, this has got some weight to it. Could, could this be some candy? Okay. Could this be some coffee grounds? You know, there's some excitement behind that weight. So Paul says, Paul says our gift of heaven is glorious. But it's a weight of glory. But Paul's not finished. He says heaven is not just a weight of glory, but it is, now notice this, it is a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So it's just not a weight of glory, but he says it's far, it's, it is surpassing. Other translations will use the word beyond measure surpassing value. Okay. But I like the old version here. Far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Shall we reap glory or shall we reap tears? Tears. The choices are very drastic. They are poles apart. There's no in-between. It's either glory or tears. We're either with the Lord or we're not. And Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 8 in verses 11 and 12 
where he says some will be cast out and they will experience weeping and gnashing of teeth. There it is. This songwriter here, she knows what she's doing. She's been reading her Bible. Or shall we reap tears, weeping and gnashing? Tears are bad enough if it just represents sadness. Tears are bad enough if it just represents sorrow. But this is not that here in Matthew 8, 11 and 12. The weeping and gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth tells us that it's not just sorrow, it's not just sadness, it's not just separation, but it is painful. Okay, It's painful. I probably, in my life, and you guys have experienced a lot more than I have. I don't know that I've ever experienced pain where I just have to cry about it. I've, I've yelled out in pain, but I don't know that I've had just to cry about pain. But this that we're talking about here, this, this alternate choice of God, away from God, is an experience we don't even want to know about. It's the weeping, the gnashing of teeth. The gnashing of teeth represents the pain the weeping follows that pain. Okay. And so second question here, shall we reap glory? That's what we want. Or shall we reap tears? Heaven promises to be a place without tears. Revelation 7, 16 and 17 says, God shall wipe away every tear from our eyes. Revelation 21, 4 says, there'll be no, no pain there, no death there, no crying there. So that is where we hope. That's why we refer back to Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope. It is so blessed. Okay, third question. Third question stands in number two. Shall we sit idly as they rush onward? See that? Second stanza, page 223 in your songbook. Shall we sit idly as they rush onward. First, let's talk about this idleness. We don't need to be idle. But the Bible has so many great answers. And Peter helps us with this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. If you'll notice it, he talks about certain qualities. He says, if these qualities belong to you okay, and they dwell within you, you won't be idle. Okay? You'll be fruitful. But if you don't have these qualities, you'll be unfruitful and you, you will be idle. Okay? And you remember, starting in verse 5 of 2 Peter 1, Peter refers to these qualities, something like this, uh, add to your faith knowledge and to your knowledge uh, virtue and to your virtue temperance or self-control. To your temperance add patience and to your patience add godliness and to your godliness add brotherly Affection, and to your brotherly affection add love. All of these qualities truly lived out, uh, researched and thought about and meditated upon and then uh, sought to be applied uh, in our lives will help us to be fruitful for the Lord. That's a promise from God, not a promise from any of us, but a promise uh, from God. Shall we sit idly? No. 
So let us be busy adding these qualities to our lives. In Matthew 20, Jesus tells about the story of a man who gets up way early and he's going to hire workers for his vineyard. So he begins way early in the morning, about six o'clock or so, and then he comes back at the nine o'clock hour and, and the, the, uh, the, you know, the uh, sixth hour, ninth hour. He keeps hiring workers throughout the day. He comes down to the 11th hour and there's some sitting there. He says, why do you sit idly here all the day long? Why do you sit here? And they said, no man has come to hire us. And he said, well, go on into my vineyard and work even at that 11th hour. Why were they sitting idly? Folks, remember, there are folks, there are people out in the world that if they, if they knew the gospel, if they knew the goodness of Jesus, they would be anxious to learn about it. They'd be anxious. People down deep, we're, we're all made in the image of God. We, we have a longing for forgiveness. We have a longing to be right with God. There are people around us in the midst of us, walking about across the seas on this side of the, of the ocean, who, if they knew, if they knew, if they truly knew, they'd be ready to, to go into the vineyard of the Lord and, and to serve Him the rest of their days. So shall we sit idly, this song asks, as they rush onward. Who's the they here? Where it's the world. It's the world. If you start back at the first of the verse here, it's the world. The world rushes on. Okay. The world rushes on. They don't know that they're rushing to a very terrible end, but they rush on. James picks this up in James chapter 4 in your Bibles. In James 4 and verse 13, he says, Come now, ye who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a place and buy and sell there and get gain and then James says, whereas you know not what's on the morrow. What is your life? It is even as a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Therefore, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. James is not trying to counsel out somebody's business per se, but he is trying to get them to be God-centered as they make their plans. The world rushes on. We must get out in their way. We must stand in their way. We must interrupt them because they are heading to tears if we don't seek to help. Now looking back at the beginning of verse 2 in this song, you see it? Millions are groping without the gospel. What does it mean to grope? Millions are groping. Groping. Okay. What does it mean to grope? Do you know what that means? It means... It means to kind of be lost. You're, you're feeling your way around in kind of an uncertain, kind of in a blind way. If you've ever been in just a completely dark room, you're just kind of feeling your way around. Okay. You're not sure, is this the furniture? Is, am I touching the, the cabinet? Is this, is this the end of my bed? You're just kind of groping around. That's the condition of those who are outside of Christ because, because the world is in sin. One of the sins that's, that illustrates this is the sin of hatred. And John mentions this in 1 John 2 and verse 11. 1 John 2, 11, he, he mentions the sin of hatred. All sin will put you in this situation. But there he says, 1 John 2, 11, he says, He who hates his brother is in the darkness, and he walks in the darkness. And he doesn't know where he's going 
because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Well, hatred will certainly do that, but any sin will do that. Millions are groping, the song says, without the gospel. Quickly they will reach eternity's night. Eternity's night. But the writer of this song just was real close to Scripture. Quickly they'll reach eternity's night. Going back to Jesus' statement in Matthew 8, 11, and 12, he says those who are cast out, you know, we were talking a minute ago about the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, here's something else Jesus said right there. He said those who are cast out of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness. Eternity's night? Outer darkness? Peter said of the angels that sinned, 2 Peter 2 and verse 4, of the angels that sinned, they were cast into hell and they were committed to chains, chains, chains of gloomy darkness, darkness. Okay. Quickly they rush on to eternity's night. It doesn't have to be a night, it could just be day. Revelation 21 describes heaven as one complete eternal day. It doesn't have to be eternity's night, but for so many, they are headed that way. What are we going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? They're heading that way. And so notice this song and notice this, this question here. Shall we sit idly by as the world rushes on? Notice as they quickly reach eternity's night. Haste, let us hold up Christ, the true light, verse 2. In response to the fact that we should not sit idly by, as the world rushes on, let us hold up Christ, the true light. This kind of combines two descriptions of Jesus. John 8, verse 12 says, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness. But also John 15, verse 1 Jesus says, I am the true vine. Okay. I am the true vine. My father is the husbandman, but I'm the true vine. Okay. A lot of people rise up and, uh, across history and claim to be the light or the vine or the one. But Jesus is the true one. Let us hold up Christ, the true light. light. Okay. We started out saying, well, there's the book, the Bible, and then there's this song book. We're to hold up Christ, the true light. We're to hold up the, the word of life, Paul says in Philippians 2, 16. In the, in the midst of this crooked and twisted generation, we are to be blameless, we're to be innocent, we're to be spotless, all right there in Philippians 2, 15. Okay. And we're to let our light shine and we are to hold up the word of life. Let us hold up Christ, the true light. All right. Now, the fourth question in this song is stanza number three, did he not also die for these lost ones? You see that question? Did he not also die for these lost ones? What verse would you think of when you think of that question? You might think of John 3, 16, which is a good one. One of my favorites, 1 John 2, 1 and 2, I, I, I just get so, I'm drawn to, to the Apostle John more and more. 1 John 2, 1 and 2, John says, now, 
Now, I'm writing these things that, that you may not sin. You see the power of the gospel there? 1 John 2, verse 1. I'm writing these things that you may not sin, but if any man sins, we, John says, we have an advocate with the Father who is Jesus Christ the righteous, who is the propitiation, the covering for our sins, but not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Yeah. Did he not also die for these lost ones? Hebrews 2 verse 9 says he tasted death for every man. Okay. And as we have the gospel in our hands and as, as time is moving on, then we must remind ourselves he did die for these lost ones. Notice the first part of verse 3, souls that are precious, souls that are dying. Why are souls precious? Souls are precious because they never die. Why does it say that souls are dying? Aaron was saying the other day, you heard a preacher get up and he said, now, how many, want, how many of you want to live forever? And everybody said, well, sure, I want to live forever. But then what did the preacher say next? Yeah, we're all going to live forever. We must decide where. It's not a matter of if, but where. Not a matter of if, but where. We're all going to live on and on. How is it that souls are dying? Well, it's all about spiritual death and eternal death. And we, as we study our Bibles, we often refer to Ephesians 2 and how that sin makes us dead spiritually. We're dead in our sins. But if we don't do something about that, here's what's, here's what's waiting on us. Revelation 21, verse 8. At the end of that verse, Revelation 21, verse 8. Those mentioned there will have their part in the lake of fire, which is the second death. It's not a death in the sense of going away and just being extinguished, but rather it's a suffering of death. It's an eternal suffering. Okay. It's, it's conscious, but it's worse than death. Okay. It's the second death. Sin is at the bottom of all death. Whether you're talking about physical death, spiritual death, or eternal death, it's all about sin. That's why Jesus came and died for these, he came and died for these lost ones. Souls that are precious, souls that are dying. While we rejoice that our sins are forgiven, and we do, and we should, you remember that, don't you? You remember the day you were baptized into Christ? You remember how that, that felt? Do you still have that joy? While we rejoice that our sins are forgiven. We love to read about the, the Ethiopian eunuch and has he come up out of that water. He went on his way rejoicing. Acts 8 and 39 says he went on his way rejoicing. We don't know exactly where he went after that, but we know he was happy about it. If somebody had run into the eunuch later and said, why are you so happy? Do you think he told him about it? And what would he have said? Well, he had gone right through that whole process of reading Isaiah and Philip coming along and teaching him about Jesus and the necessity of baptism and got his sins washed away on that day. But while we are rejoicing that our sins are forgiven, this is where the question comes up. Did he not also die for these lost ones? What do you do in rejoicing if you're not going to share your happiness with others? It should be our nature 
that if we have that kind of joy that we'd want somebody else, everybody else, to experience that joy as well. Did he not also die for these lost ones? Now, let's think about the chorus for a minute or two. Into our hands, into our hands, into our hands. There's no plan B, no plan B. Into our hands, the gospel's given. Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 7, that God has put this treasure, this gospel, into earthen vessels. When he said earthen vessels, that's us. Okay? He made us out of the dust of the ground. Right? And so that earthen vessel, that's, that's me and you. Okay? There's no plan B. No plan B. Into our hands. Into our hands, the gospel is given. Do you look at it that way? Do you look at this responsibility as a gift, as a favor, as grace itself? That's how Paul looked at it. And this will be your, your going to sleep verse tonight if you, if you want to. But it's such a good one. It's such a good one. Okay? I can't believe you're not standing up for excitement. The anticipation, this is so good. Okay? Into our hands is the gospel given. And Paul spoke of this in Ephesians 3, 8 and 9. He spoke of it this way. Now, he starts out this way. He says, now I am less than the least of all the saints. I know exactly how Paul feels. Personal frustration. I know it. And Paul looked at his life, and all those wasted years. He says, now I am less than the least of all the saints, but unto me has this grace been given. What grace, Paul? That I might be able to preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The gospel. So I don't deserve to be doing this, but what a gift that is. And Paul looked at it in every situation, whether the gospel took him to prison or whether it took him to a shipwreck, or whether he was having to get a whipping for it, it was still all a favor from God. Into our hands, the gospel is given. Now let's revert back for just a second. We've been talking about leadership qualifications, and one we didn't have time to get to this morning. A leader must be apt to teach, 1 Timothy 3, verse 2. 2 Timothy 2.24, apt to teach, able to teach, skillful in teaching. It's not the sense, well, he's taught once and, and, um, and if, it had, if he had to, he could teach again. No, he's given to it. Uh, when you think of this leader of God, you think teacher. That's, that's the idea there. He's able in teaching. He's good at teaching. He, it's just his, just his nature to teach. He teaches, he teaches his family. He teaches himself. He teaches those outside of Christ. He teaches those who are wayward. He encourages his brethren with the scriptures. He, he meets false teachers and false teaching with the scriptures. He just out to teach. Into our hands the gospel is given. Into our hands is given the light. Now, before we get done, Let's think about this song from a broader sense. Way back in 1900, 
the lady who wrote this song, her name, she was born in 1900. Her name was Ruth Johnson. And she grew up and became a teacher. She taught in a little one-room schoolhouse in New Mexico. She was born in Texas, a little place called Vashti. I call it just Vashti. It looks like Vashti to me. Vashti, Texas. But she ended up teaching in New Mexico. And she did that until she was married. She married a, a man by the name of Roy Carruth. And um, they, they became members of the church. She already, before marriage, had the habit of writing religious poems. She wrote a book of religious poems called uh, Acorn Cups. Acorn Cups. By and by, she got familiar with the scriptures and she wrote this poem. And then along in the 1930s, she met a man by the name of, weird name, Tillett was his first name, Tillett. Tillett S. Tedley. Okay. Tillett. And he put the tune for these words. And this song was copyrighted in 1939, and it has been in more songbooks across this world um, than many songs ever uh, were. It's, it's so biblically based, and it is so meaningful to us. It, it hits us right in our, in our hearts. There's a story that's told us in association with this, this uh, song that about... 10 or 15 years after the song was copyrighted that a, a man, a preacher by the name of Audie McKee, he's from Ohio, but he and his wife, being Christians, decided to move to Africa to be missionaries. And they moved to a place called Lagos, uh, Nigeria. And you travel by boat in those days. And so they moved to Africa by boat their schedule was to bring them in on the Lord's Day morning and they would get there and be able to worship with the brethren on Lord's Day morning. Well, they got there early on Sunday morning, but they, for some reason or another, got, they got detained and they stayed on that boat most of the day, but they got off the boat late Sunday afternoon, made it to the evening services. This congregation in Lagos was having a Sunday evening service. Go figure a Sunday evening service. And when they walked into that service, they were singing this song in the native language. They were singing, swiftly returning life's daily pages. Into our hands the gospel is given. This is a tough song. And all of us ought to take it personally. And it has become one of my least favorite rooms in this building. You want to know what it is? The teen room. The teen room. Not because of the way it's shaped. Not because it's cold in there or hot in there, but on August 8th, 2020, 2020, I'm out here in the foyer, and there's a lot of people here. It's Kayla's wedding, and Andrew's. 
And so we don't half know what we're doing. We still don't know what we're doing. We certainly on that day we did. So I'm out there in the foyer, and, and it's almost time to start. My sister comes up to me and says, you need to go get Kayla. I said, where's she at? She's in the teen room. I said, what's she doing in the teen room? She's waiting on you. You're supposed to go get her. I said, who made that rule up? Go get her. That's my sister. So she thinks because she's older than me, she can still boss me around. So I go in there. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Just this song brings back those memories. Where did the years go? Where did the moments go? And so let us, let us be diligent. Let us give God the honor he deserves. Let us stand and sing at this time.